Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Happy Bubba Ventrone Day. Yeah, happy Bubba, Bubba Ventrone. Isn't it's that hard, to, hard say. to say? It's hard to say. Like I, Bubba Ventrone. And Vicari's making it so much harder on himself because he's going Raymond Bubba Ventrone. Like that sounds... Raymond Bubba Ventrone. Be, you see, it's like the LeBron to Mababa. Ray Ventrone. Yeah, or, yeah exactly. Or just Bubba and Ventrone. It, and I will still go back to... I know he always has had the nickname of Bubba, mm-hmm. but how did he transition from the player Ray Ventrone which was on the media guide, to now in coach media guides, he's Bubba. You're not going to become an NFL head coach with the name Bubba. I'm sorry. I mean, Freddie got a job. And how did that work out? He got a job. And then he was fired a year later. I think he's got to go back to Raymond. The world needs more Bubbas. Listen, I love Forrest Gump too. All right, Bubba should have lived. All right, everybody had justice for Barb. What about justice for Bubba? All right, that's how I feel about Forrest Gump every time I watch it. Why'd Bubba have to die? Why couldn't he have some of the good shrimp money? I and that Bubba died. It's not great. Oh, oh, I did. Mm. So I watched it first time with the oldest daughter because she's finally old enough to to deal with more mature elements. And I forgot, like, hey, just so you know, there's some tragic parts of this. And and she didn't see Bubba dying happening. And this poor 12-year-old girl, She's I think she's going, she's 12, yes, because uh, it, it happened this fall. And she started crying. I was like, oh, my God, this is what it's like to not have dead feelings inside. <laughs> so Bubba Ventrone is the Browns special teams coach. Give it a grade one to ten. A grade one to ten? Yep. Ten being the best hire, one being the worst. Come on. Give it a seven. Mm. Okay. Homer, I would give it a six and a half. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> I like the hire. I do. I just like, do we like this hire because Ray Ventrone used to play here? Or do we like this hire because no, we know like he's any good? We like it because he's this guy's been a player in the league. He played for the Browns, and it's not Mike Prefer. Actually, I think that's a really good point. Again, I don't know why I use the word actually there. I think I think a lot of people like you could have hired I'm almost something. almost anything after Joe Woods, and people would be like, yeah. oh, "Okay, it's not Joe Woods. Good for us." Yeah, like, they, they could hire any of these no-name defensive coordinators, and we'd be like, "Okay." Except it's, it's, except Sean Desai. Oh, he'd have been fine. No, I think he was the one that everybody would have had the problem with because I think he's smart. He went to Columbia, and for some reason, people going to Ivy League school really pisses people off in Cleveland. I haven't tracked that one yet. But I feel like this is the way I was. I was like, oh, okay, cool. To me, I think that's the most reaction you can have when you hire a special teams coordinator. Like, oh, 
hey, yeah, people around the NFL like him. We like that. The, the, actually, my favorite thing that I've heard about uh, Bubba Ventrone is that in Indianapolis, they really leaned on him for player evaluation. I think I think one thing, and this is from this is from getting the good fortune of knowing a few football coaches, a couple in the NFL mm-hmm. and a couple outside of the NFL in college. Understanding, uh, there's a difference between I can spot a good football player and I can spot a player that fits what we do. And there's one thing, though, that still makes me wonder how much of the Browns' special teams' woes are on the coordinator and how much are on on the actual roster that's there. Because I think if you look like New England, Matthew Slater's going on his 16th year in New England. And is he for still playing? Yeah, he is. Can you believe that? The special teams ace that is now 16 years, that, and he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Team. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. You think so? A special teams player. And I'm not trying to demean that. That's a valuable role. But he's going to be Steve Tasker in first, right? I It's a bad that I didn't know Steve Tasker wasn't already in. <laughs> Off the top of my head. Yeah. Should be in. But like... You look around the NFL, there are guys who, you know, uh, uh, Badamosi, who used to be here, he, he was kicking around the NFL till recently, still playing as a third safety and special teams ace. You look at the Browns, like, I, and everybody points to, well, they signed Jakeem Grant. All right, every other year with, with Mike Patton, they were trying out guys or bringing in retreads or, buy, like, you know, basically piecemealing the return position. Even the kicker position. Like, Cade York has been the the best investment they made. And by the way, anytime you take any level of a rookie kicker, you're going to have to live through the ups and downs. Very few kickers walk into the game as top 10 kickers. Mm-hmm. So, it's I, I'm not trying to defend Mike Prefer here. I'm just trying to say, like, I think the catch-22 of the Browns is. I think there were, there were staff changes necessary and I think that this was the right move. Firing Mike Prefer, even if it's not just for his job as a coordinator, even if it's just to change the, the culture in Berea. Okay, cool. That The same thing with Jim Schwartz. But I think in terms of the actual results on the field, I think firing or swapping out Jim Schwartz for Joe Woods just in and of itself is more of a value win than swapping out good to – like Mike Prefer is a good special teams coach. Before he came to Cleveland, that's his reputation. Now, there's other parts of his reputation people don't like about Mike Prefer, things that happened with Chris Cluey in Minnesota. And honestly, that happened so much before my time. I'm I'm not like I didn't that's not why I wanted the guy fired. I don't think his his special teams units did the job, but I think the catch twenty two here is how much of it is your coordinators and how much of it is they're just not picking the right guys. And if if Andrew Barry and the Browns are going to continuously, time after time after time, say, all right, we're going to bring all these rookies, these fifth-round, sixth-round players, and they're going to have to be your special teams units, well, even a really great special teams coordinator is only going to make so much of a difference because you're still dealing with guys who their job is, their primary job is playing safety, and special teams is kind of the, the thing they have to do to stay on the team. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good question. I think a lot of it has to do with the players. I think the coaches matter. Um, I've always said this before, like special teams, I feel like matters more for like the kickers and punters. Um, if those guys are good, then you're probably going to have a decent special teams. 
but you do have to have a culture and you've got to have guys who are, you know, on the depth chart that are twos and threes that are really good bought in players that want to, you know, run down on kickoff and do all the things you have to do to, to play special teams. Trust me, I did it for a long time and it's, it's a different deal, but you know, you get a guy like Bubba Ventron in here who is, uh, who's got a pedigree for playing. He's, he spent four years with the New England Patriots, with Bill Belichick. Like, this guy's not going to mess around. All right, that is something you're pointing to, and it's not the Belichick thing. If I remember correctly, he's a little bit of an he's – he's kind of like a Jim Leonard. He was kind of like a yeah. like a, a scrappy player. Played at Villanova. Like, you know he's got to be smart. Go to Villanova. Yeah, like he's he was kind of a guy. And I, I feel the same way about Schwartz. Like – I do feel like one of the things we talked about was do the Browns have too many laid-back coaches? Do they not have enough personable people? I think Jim Schwartz and Ray Ventrone probably are guys who are going to be more people, both with what Jim Schwartz's 75-minute press conference entailed Mm -hmm. and the fact that Bubba did play in the NFL. I I think those two things are going to go a long way for him. 216-578-0092. It is Bubba Ventrone Day. Um, Do you like the hire? I think there's actually a couple implications with the hire that we're going to get into here as the show goes on. So here's the only thing that I think we've gotten wrong about the Brown staff changes. And that is, you Mike Tannenbaum me. However, oh, I was just waiting for a comment. That is that I think people have looked at both Ventrone and Schwartz and said, what do you think part of the thinking in them taking the job is that they might be the interim head coach if Kevin Stefanski got fired in the middle of the year? I feel like we've seen enough things play out over the last decade. I mean, whether it's Greg Williams here having a a strong finish to the season and then getting passed over for Freddie Kitchens, whether it was Rich Basaccia taking the Raiders from John Gruden's emails and below 500 to take him to the playoffs and getting skipped over for Josh McDaniels, whether it is uh, Steve Wilkes literally raising the Carolina Panthers from the dead with quarterbacks of Baker Mayfield, PJ Walker, Steve Wilkos, him too, uh, and, and uh, Sam Darnold. Teams don't want to hire the interim coach. There's no incentive to being interim head coach anymore. So if I'm Ray Ventrone, Bubba, as he's known, colloquially, or Jim Schwartz, I would actually think the idea of Stefanski getting fired midseason would turn me off of being an assistant coach and a staff because you almost know if you get that uh, the interim job, you're not going to get the full-time job. That's fair. I don't know if these guys took this job to be the, the head coach in waiting or the interim coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's certainly a possibility they could get the, the gig if, you know, Stefanski's let go like midseason. But I don't I don't think that there was a uh, – I just don't see them coming here thinking they're the, the coach in waiting. Yeah, and I think, like, one, I'm so torn on if – because here's the thing. I don't want to go into the – everybody – I feel like we've just jumped ahead with the Browns. Up, oh, Stefanski's on the hot seat. Stefanski's game by game. And Kevin Stefanski's the odds-on favorite to be the first head coach fired next year. All three of those things might actually end up being true. But I can't going, I can't go into this offseason, into the headspace of, it's only a matter of time before Kevin Stefanski gets fired in 2023. Because to me, I've already – if you say that, then you've already accepted 2023 as a wasted season. Mm-hmm. Because – 
as good as Rich Bisaccia did, uh, they were still one and done in the playoffs. As good as Steve Wilkes did, they didn't make the playoffs in a weak NFC. So I don't want to approach this as, well, if Kevin Stefanski gets fired. That also being said, where the Browns are in the event that something should happen impacts who I think should be the heir apparent. Like, I, I feel like we actually have. Like, when, uh, when, when Hugh got fired, it was Greg Williams or bust. You're not going to hire Al Saunders. We love Al here. And, and I, by the way, I love that Al calls in the morning show and is still a, a factor in Cleveland, and I love yeah. when he comes on because I, I really – and I liked him when he was the coach here because um, he was always so good and so thoughtful with everyone. But Al wasn't going to be the interim coach because you're right. trying to win. And and there's a connotation with a guy who was, I, I think at the time, like 70 years old. Even Freddie. Freddie wasn't going to be the interim head coach. Hell, he shouldn't have been the real head coach. He was Greg Williams or bust. I actually look at this, the way it's set up, and even though I feel like, listen, you're not coming here to be an interim coach because you know it's a fool's errand. You're, you're just going to try and stabilize the ship so somebody else can come in. And basically, your job is to stabilize the ship. You're do probably what, not going to do getting, what Steve Wilkes did. Well, and you know what? You're going to make the job attractive for somebody else. If you're Even if you're the most successful, you're going to make a good assistant or retread around the NFL say, oh, well, you can be one with that job, so I'll take that job. So that being said, I think the fact that the Browns have two guys on the staff that if for, if for some reason it doesn't work out with Kevin Stefanski, I think you could turn to either guy, and I think you'd be completely fine. I don't know too many times you can actually say that. Like this year, if they had, if they had, it wasn't going to happen. But if they had fired Kevin this last year, mm -hmm. halfway through the year, who the hell were you turning to? And give it to Preef. Well, hey, he give, did coach a playoff game. You're gonna give it to to he's got a playoff win. He does. Uh you're gonna More give than it, Stefanski. You're gonna give it to Joe Woods, who players were like, Man, I really wish I could have had a relationship with that guy. Alex Van Pelt, who probably would have been the guy. Okay. You mean the guy who hasn't really gotten any head coaching offers? And and by the way, he's been a former NFL quarterback that Kevin Stefanski doesn't trust to play to do the play calling mm -hmm. after thirty years in the NFL. So I do think I'm not going to go into this year thinking, ah, man, I'm not sure if Stefanski, there's a chance he gets fired this year. Yep. There's a chance that this thing could go disastrous. I don't know why I would assume it's going to go disastrous or I don't, I know what that should be the preset thought on the Browns and or, or specifically Kevin Stefanski in 2023 going into this off season. But if it does, I think you, me, and Andrew Barry and Jimmy Haslam, if things do go sideways early next year, you at least have two guys you can go, all right, Ray Ventrone's a guy people have been earmarking as a, head, a potential head coach in the NFL since he played, and Jim Schwartz, who we all know at least has experience as a head coach. I think that that I think it's so funny because everybody's like, ah, more pressure on Stefanski because the, the staff changes. I think the opposite happened. I think you can breathe easier if you're the Browns today because your staff, I think, is in a better position mm -hmm. given the reputation of the two guys you hired. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I think the coaches that they, they've hired certainly have credibility. Um, I don't want to think about it like a, a, a situation where it's, um, you know, Stefanski's like dead man walking and, you know, thank God we've got these two coaches that can step into the role if, if need be. 
but I think it certainly adds credibility to the locker room. 216-578-0092. So with the Browns officially hiring Ray Ventrone today, do you think Bubba Ventrone or Jim Schwartz should be seen as the heir apparent in Cleveland, as the interim heir apparent, we should say? I would be comfortable with either guy. I don't know that that means success, by the way. There's so many times where, you know, we I, I think the guys that they've had, like we mentioned Basachi and Steve Wilkes, those guys are the anomaly. So many more times the interim head coach gets mm-hmm. hired. And this, you said something in the last segment that I think is my word of caution to Browns fans who I do think if the Browns start out two and three or two and four or one and three, I think you're going to have a lot of Browns fans calling for Kevin Stefanski's neck then. It is, there's so much more to winning and to riding the ship than, well, anybody's better than this guy. I think it probably is fair to say that it, it's fair to say, well, Jim Schwartz has got to be better than Joe Woods because Joe was not a great defensive play caller in Denver. And Joe, there were some relationship issues there. Well, that's 90% of coaching. If you, if you can't relate to your players and motivate them and get them to buy in, I don't give a damn who, what your scheme is. Mm-hmm. You don't have a chance in hell. Uh, Mike Prefer, maybe the game's passed him by. Or maybe he doesn't fit what the Browns need out of a special teams coach, which I think might be more fair to Mike. So all of those things are fair. Maybe, maybe there will be a point where we look at Kevin Stefanski and say, man, this just isn't working. I think the assumption is... Whomever you fire is always going to be the guy that writes the ship. I think that's dangerous, dangerous thinking here. Just to have, just at the end of February. Whom you fire is going to write the ship or whom you well, replace? it's just anybody but Kevin. Okay. What was the old Ken Silverstein bit? I love me some Ken Silverstein. Uh, one of the reasons I'm, I, I have had any modicum of success in this business. Ken used to be here on part-times. I used to work down the dial as well. Um, Ken used to do the bit with with Colt McCoy when the station first, a- ABC, anybody but Colt. And he had the Jackson 5 song. I think a lot of people in this town are anybody but Kevin. And I think that's easy to say. I think it's I think it's much harder to pull off. I think, it, and by the way, I, Keith brought this up in the pre-show, and I'm just going to, I'm going to say it's his idea, but I co-signed the hell out of it. Guys, if they fire Kevin Stefanski tomorrow, They're not going to replace him with D'Amico Ryans. They're not going to replace him with Bubba Ventrone. They're going to replace him with another Kevin Stefanski. As long as you have Deshaun Watson, and it's the trend across the NFL, amazing defensive coordinators right now can't get a second look. Mm -hmm. Look how long. I mean, D'Amico Ryans was a stud the second he got hired. It took him six years as an assistant, two years as a defensive coordinator to become a head coach. If the Browns were to move on for Kevin, they're just going to hire another Kevin Stefanski. I don't mean literally, but I mean like they're just going to hire another offensive coach. Maybe this one's a retread, but a guy to try and get the most out of Deshaun Watson. The XFL is back. Long live the XFL. I, I listen. I don't want to bring the next. I don't want to bring uh, Ian in on this note. But just can we just say just bleep the USFL. That, that's so 30 years ago. I've been rooting so hard for, for the XFL. I was so mad when it got uh, prematurely uh, canceled because of the pandemic two years ago. Is that two years ago, three years? Time's a flat circle. But the reality is I'm stoked that it was back. The only reason I didn't watch week one of the XFL is I was in the mountains with my beautiful wife. 
That's the only reason. So let's get you back up today. Of course, our next guest, you know him from ESPN Radio. You know him from ESPN College Football and XFL calls. He is the great Ian Fitzsimmons on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Ian, welcome to the show. Nick, appreciate you having me, man. I understand D. Fox is having some uh, some bubble gut issues, so I would love to laugh at him right now, but I, I won't even do that. Uh, yeah. not, not, he, he never wished that on anybody, but man, you missed a hell of a first weekend. Uh, it was it was awesome. Uh, you know the access we get to players, coaches, uh, all the guys that are mic'd up, um, and, and the rules changes, man. I mean, the rules changes allowed for you know the the Battle Hawks from St. Louis with AJ McCarron at quarterback. Uh, you know, to, to be able to come from behind down 15 to three with a buck 52 to go, and you're able to go for three points on a conversion, you know, from, from the 10 yard line. You know, so you, 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 there are no extra points as far as kicking goes, right? Uh, you get one point from the two, two points from the five, and you can go for three from the 10. They get it after a tud, and then on the onside kick, they didn't opt for the onside kick. You can actually go for fourth and 15, uh, but deeper in your own territory. They opted for that, um, and get it, drive down the field, game-winning touchdown as time expires to Austin Prohl, the former UNC Tar Heel. His dad, Ricky Prohl, who played, what, 18 years in the NFL, two-time Super Bowl champion, he's the wide receivers coach. So it was a, like a family feel-good moment. It was awesome, and, you know, it was, uh, it was a blast to be a part of. And you know what? The biggest part for this version of the XFL, Nick, you can wager on it. Every Vegas sports book has got numbers up. Future odds, player props are coming uh, might even start tonight, you know, and then, uh, you you know, it, it, tonight it's the Sea Dragons minus uh, three with former Dallas Cowboy quarterback Ben DiNucci calling the signals. Uh, you know, former Saints coach Jim Hazlitt uh, is the head coach, and, you know, the totals are, I think, around 38. So that, to me, is probably the biggest part. It's not just the rules changes in the access, but also being able to wager on it. Ian, um, it's interesting, you know, uh, you know, three years ago, XFL 2.0 as another Vince McMahon production. And I, I'll go down saying I thought it was a fun, a really fun product at the time. And now, obviously, the pandemic happens. Uh, the Rock and Redbird Capital, uh, you know, take this over. And Danny Garcia, they're, they're running this. Is there a difference in vision from what it was intended to be XFL 2.0 to what XFL 3.0 is trying to be? Oh, hell yeah. That's a great question. Um, and, and the biggest part is Dwayne Johnson was always that 51st, 54th guy coming out of Miami, right? I mean, he never got the call uh, to the NFL, played in the CFL. And then when he got, when he got zapped in the CFL, he had $7 in, in his wallet, 7 bucks. That's it. That's, that's, that's the amount of money he had to his name. Uh, and that's why he, he and Danny Garcia, who's become a media mogul, I'm glad you referenced her, the chairwoman and co-owner. I mean, she's an gr- unbelievable movie producer, did Red Notice with Ryan Reynolds and the Jumanji movies with Dwayne Johnson or her, uh, her ex-husband. And, man, they, they, the biggest thing for Dwayne was he wanted to become the AAA for the, for the NFL to give guys another shot. And that's essentially what, what this version of the XFL is. I mean, you know, they, they are working with Troy Vincent and Roger Goodell uh, to be able to, you know, be in contact and, and with, with teams and, You've seen a lot of NFL guys that have been in NFL camps. Like last week, you know, I had Roughnecks and Guardians, and uh, you know, Max Borgie, right, was on three different practice squads. The All Pac-12 running back out of Washington State, you know, and he run and they, they run that uh, that hi- hybrid of that Mike Leach offense. Well, this is a young man who was that 54th guy for the Colts, Steelers, and Broncos, and he's trying to prove to these teams I, I can be a running back, at least a third down back at the next level. And the, the XFL is embracing being 
for lack of a better term, a minor league. So you're seeing familiar names out there, you know, on the field. I mean, heck, Matt Elam's playing DB for the Guardians, man. That's a former first-round pick and, and had a pick last week. So uh, it's a, it was a great question. And that probably is the biggest difference of any XFL or spring football league is that this one is working with the NFL, not against the NFL. Ian Fitzsimmons, he's on the call for the XFL tonight, has been on the call, is on all the – well, not all the calls. That was a little hyperbolic there, Ian. Yeah, dude, that'd be uh, a little tough. That'd be, that'd be <laughs> a lot of work there. Uh, for the XFL, he's on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. So I, I realize, I'm asking you this question, you know, going on week two here. So I, I'm this is a big picture kind of idea. But do you think that – you think that as we see the success of XFL 3.0, could the goal eventually be to have more of a true player share between the NFL and the XFL, similar to, but maybe not exactly similar to, uh, NFL and NFL Europe back in the day? Man, I, I, that's way beyond my pay grade, Coach. I, I could not even begin to answer that question. But I do know this. Uh, they're, they're in it for the long haul. Meaning, you know, um, Gary Carter now with Redbird Capital. I'm glad you referenced them also. Dwayne Johnson and Danny Garcia. I mean, you know, you're, they're in uh, most head coaches that I've talked to have three year contracts, you know, that, and so you're not giving that though, a three year contract out if you don't believe it. You're in this for the long haul. I mean, and so, um, and, and the, the access too, man, you know, and another part of this is to show Cleveland Browns fans or Ohio State fans or Michigan fans, right? That, in the NFL and in college to Kevin Warren, uh, you know, commissioner of the big 10 or Greg Sankey, of the sec, we can give fans more access. You know, it's not a big deal for, you know, a field analyst or a sideline reporter to go in after a quarterback meets with his OC gets off headset, just walk up. What'd you see on that play? It's 10 seconds. It, it's not distracting. And that's the world. That, that's the world we're living in. Now we, we want more access. We want more immediacy. You're seeing it on the PGA Tour, right, at, at, at Riviera last week, players being interviewed as they're walking up fairways. That's the world we're living in now. You're even seeing it in Major League Baseball, guys that are, you know, in the World Series. Remember that? Where a guy hits a bomb and, bam, he's being interviewed in the dugout a few minutes later after going and meeting maybe with his hitting coach or whomever. We don't have that in the NFL. We don't have that in big boy college football. You have that in the XFL. And, and to me, I think that Roger Goodell and I think all the big conference commissioners are keeping a very keen eye on that aspect. Is it, I mean, because to me, it's unbelievable. Do we have to, in college or pro football, meaning in the NFL, do we need all of these player interviews and coaches' interviews? No. But the access is undeniable. I mean, look, the TV numbers, every game, I think, except for one, had over a million viewers. You know, I mean, three of the four games in the XFL week one had more viewers on eyeballs on TVs and ears on radios than any college basketball game. And there was a hell of a Saturday in college hoop. So I think, you know, the football fans are looking at it going, access, hell yeah, give it to us. And the transparency of Dean Blandino, man, that was, since you haven't watched yet, Nick, wait till you see that tonight. That to me may have been the biggest home run that the NFL and college football has to adopt because it was completely transparent in the replay center with Dean Blandino and how he's walking through everything, you're listening to every bit of it with the, with the, the lead ref and Blandino going through a replay. That, to me, was remarkably transparent and refreshing for any football fan. Ian, I'm going to take you off the beaten path a little bit, uh, and i got to fill you in on a knockdown drag-out Donnie Brook me and Dustin had. 
I think it was it was last week or the week before, and I had I was right after the Super Bowl, and I, I like the day after the Super Bowl, I came out and said I already missed the Super Bowl. I already missed football, and specifically, it is about the NFL product. And I had said that I think if the NFL just decided we're now going to have a spring league, and I don't mean a developmental league, I just mean you have a spring league and a fall league, and the players share the same talent pool. I actually don't think there is an end to the public's thirst for the NFL product specifically. So do you? I'll just ask you the question, do you think there's a limit out there that there is a point in the future that we'll get to and the public says, all right, this amount of NFL exposure, NFL content, NFL games is enough? No, but I don't think you'll ever see a spring and fall league with the NFL. I think mean, that's part of the beauty of it, man. You know, absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? Uh, and the NFL, it, it already is a 365-day news cycle. We're already talking about franchise tags, OTAs will be coming up, mandatory camps. Aaron Rodgers is out of his, you know, Prince of Darkness cabin in, in Oregon. I mean, we're always going to be talking about the, the NFL. Uh, but I don't think you'll ever see a spring and fall league. One, players' bodies have to, you know, they got to heal up, man. I mean, you, you need time away. I mean, you, you, these guys are – especially down the trenches. I mean, you're, you're getting hit by a damn car. You know, how many times he snaps a game? So uh, I, I don't think you'll ever see spring and fall, uh, but the appetite um, as far as news and being and talking about the NFL and the NFL draft, which is when the great worlds of college and pro football collide, that gives us another, you know, month of talking football. And that's but when it, when it comes to second chances and, and, and the, the feel-good stories, hey, Josh Gordon's going to be on the field tonight. Josh Gordon's wide receiver for the sea, for the Sea Dragons had a good first game, you know. So, you know, he, he's giving it one last shot, and he and he actually told us, you know what? It's not about getting back to the NFL. I just love, I just I just want to play football, and he is, you know. So, um, it, it's it, the spring leagues uh, to me are about second, third chances. Maybe for some guys like a Ben DeLuca safety for for the Battlehawks, you know, damn near a first chance. So. Uh, but a, a spring and fall league for the league, I don't see that coming. All right, Ian, you mentioned it. Uh, darkness retreats, four days in isolation, <laughs> complete dark. Yeah or no? No way in hell I'd do it. Oh, that, what about the ayahuasca? I, is it all off board? Uh, dude, I mean, what, when, and think about it. I read the story on ESPN.com of, of where this place is located, and they have seven dark rooms, and – um, you know, it's like a wait list of hundreds or having to build more, uh, you know, I just, and you can leave anytime you want, you know, you can turn the light on anytime you want. I guess, I mean, they have like a queen size bed, you got a crap or a shower and, and, a, and a yoga mat. Right. So, uh, you, you get, get a couple meals a day to get delivered to you. Um, it, it's a fascinating read, man. It really is. But could I do it? I'm not that disciplined, man. I'll, I'll just put it out there. There ain't no freaking way in hell that I could be in there for four days, total darkness. And look, in my house, man, I mean, whenever you, you know, like you have a Christmas party or you have some friends over to watch a ball game or whatever it might be, right? You know, March Madness is on the horizon and you got, you know, I, you know Thursday night, let's come watch the, the first round games in my house. You're always worried about your guest aim already with light on, you know, after they've had a couple cold beers, you know, whatever. You're worried about aim with light. How's your aim in darkness? I got to sit. I mean, you know, you're in darkness. Nobody's going to tell, Ian. Good point. That's a good audible on the sitting, by the way. That, that, that solves that problem. Well done. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. Here's, here's the only I, reason I why. Do it. There's no way. No way I could do it. Impossible. 
I have three daughters who are preteen. Uh, four days in darkness and silence sounds like a great vacation That's to me. That's a damn good idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get on that wait list, Ian. Uh, hey, man, great stuff. I can't wait to get my first eyes on the XFL this weekend. Be good, buddy. We appreciate you. Hey, Nick, shoot me a text, man, when you see Blandino. I'm telling you, he's actually become the first ever popular football ref ever. Ever. It's like, it's like a unicorn. It's awesome. Yeah, there you go, man. Enjoy it, buddy. Always, always appreciate the time. Appreciate you, buddy. Ian Fitzsimmons of ESPN there. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.